Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I am the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Ilderton. And with me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. We are going to be continuing in this episode our discussion of the book of James. We've been going through the first chapter of James, really a few verses at a time, talking about all of the important talking points of the book. So many things that we find in chapter one sort of work their way out in the rest of the book in more detail. Mm -hmm. And so to, to stick in chapter one for a while, Andrew, I think makes quite a lot of sense. And for this particular week, we're going to be talking about temptation. So this is, this is a, a big part of where we are in James chapter one. And it's something that I think James in particular gives us a good insight into uh, more than anywhere else in the Bible. I, f- I feel like what we learn about the nature of testing and temptation from James is, is unique and very helpful. And so we are going to dive in to a discussion that we've titled this episode, The Anatomy of Temptation. I want to spend some time thinking about that. Any opening statements, Andrew, from you before we get going? Yeah, you're right. When you say that James has quite a bit to say uh, about temptation, um, he uh, we call it the anatomy of temptation because uh, James uses language of uh, birthing and development and... Yeah. Uh, it's it's like it it grows it goes and instead of instead of what uh, you would expect um, the growth of something to produce life uh, it actually produces death yeah. James tells us in James one fifteen um, and temptation is uh, common um, oh yeah I, I let's just start there um, there's there's no temptation that is unique. Uh, every person is tempted in similar ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the source of temptation is different, but the reality is that we all face it. Uh, there's not a single person who experiences uh, no temptation. We yeah. all are prone. And uh, James has quite a bit to say about the reasons why. Yeah, that uh, we can. that's one of the reasons we can look back to very old passages of the Bible, very old mm-hmm. stories all the way back even in the Old Testament. And we can read those here in our modern day and realize that these, these figures and these stories, these people who lived thousands of years ago are dealing with the exact same things we are. There's nothing new under the sun. As human beings, we all are tempted by very similar sins, even if not in the exact same way. And definitely in a, you know, I think about how church history connects us to the past in a good way. There's a sense in which temptation kind of connects us to the past in a, in a bad way is that there's plenty of people that have gone before us who have struggled with the same things. And in, in one sense that can be discouraging, but I think in one sense that can be encouraging as well, because God's people throughout history have been able to, by the power of the spirit, overcome and fight against those temptations. And that's an encouragement. Uh And they, they made it to the end, even despite of them, which is maybe the biggest encouragement of all. And so we're thinking about temptation and thinking about what James has to say about it. We'll be mostly in uh, James 1, 13, 14, and 15 for this particular episode. But maybe just before we get going with those, we want to give a brief uh, discussion of verse 12 of James 1. Sure. Maybe even before that, before we get to verse 12, we can talk about uh, just temptation comes along. What is it? It's, 
It's passions. James actually defines it in chapter four for us. He says, mm-hmm. um, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't this, isn't it this, that your passions are at war within you. Mm-hmm. And so there is this sense in which we, we have desires and we have to learn to be self-controlled with those desires. Um, we covet, James will say, in uh, James 4, 2. So we don't get what we want. That causes conflicts. We don't have because we ask with the wrong motives. We ask and we don't receive because we ask wrongly. We want to spend it on our own selfish desires and passions. And so the when we think of temptation, we typically think of, well, three sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil. James wants to uh, really direct us that temptation is rooted in desire yeah. uh, in the flesh. And and none of us can turn off desire. So we're not Buddhists in the sense no. that, that we can just say, well, I've reached a state of not desiring. Um, the reality is we do have desires and God has made us with desires, but we've, we've also, because of the fall, experienced disordered desires. Mm-hmm. And so... The reality of of temptation is that it is tapping into a desire that that is appealing to us to draw us away from using God's good gifts in wrong ways. Um, I think it's in the Screw Tape Letters. Uh, C.S. Lewis he talks about how the the demon uh, Wormwood is telling his nephew uh, Screw Tape, or, or Screw Tape is telling his nephew Wormwood. I think it's the other way around. Um, just that that they have not been able to produce anything to to uh, to appeal to human beings that they have to use uh, they call them the enemy they have to use what God has created yeah. to to pull people away and so that just gives us an indication that that good things can be distorted things good things yeah. can pull us away they can cause us temptation so then when we go back to verse twelve to your question there. Um, We've got this interesting scenario. James says, blessed is the is the man or the one who remains steadfast under trial. When he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. So first off, we have a reward. The reward is um, it's it's life itself. Yeah. And, and it's not specifically a crown. You're not getting a crown that has life stamped on it, but you're getting you're getting life itself. Yeah. And um and James says God's promised this to those who love him and and that God has designed uh trials for our success yeah now the thing that causes us to succeed in a trial is that we ask for wisdom and God gives it to us so the nature of a trial is that it's to create a dependency upon us to remind us as human beings that just like in the garden, we were dependent upon God, just as Adam was dependent upon God, and and that God's aim for us is success. Now, the the problem that we have is that internally we have desires, and those desires are disordered, and because of that, trials can come along, and it's not God setting us up for failure but it's actually we who fail. Mm-hmm. So the word that's used here in James 1.12, the man who remains steadfast under trial, that word trial is the same word as the word in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted. Yeah. So it's the same word, temptation and trial. It's, it's dependent upon the context. 
and we have words in English that just different contexts. We, we use the same word in different ways. Yeah. And so James is really pointing out that there is an internal battle that's going on. Absolutely. There's a testing and temptation and they, they may look very, very similar Mm -hmm. on the surface, but they have very different results and very, very different purposes. Yeah. And so James then continues on in the next two verses, 14 and 15, to uh, tell us a little bit more about how temptation works. So why don't we spend a little bit of time here thinking about that? Because this is, this is one area where James, James gives us some unique in, insight that, to my recollection, we don't really get anywhere else in the, in the Bible. And so the, these are very helpful verses, I think, to help us understand ourselves and our life experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James says, no one should say that when they're tempted, uh, God's tempting me. Uh, because God cannot be tempted with evil and he doesn't tempt. Mm -hmm. Uh, So immediately my mind goes to the Lord's prayer where Mm -hmm. Jesus teaches his disciples, lead us not into temptation. So, so how do we, there's a sense in which, how do we reconcile those things? Because, because human experience, the reality of human experience is that when I face a hardship, I, people want to blame God. They want to blame something outside of themselves the reason I fail is not because I have disordered desires. It's because you set me up for failure. Yes, for sure. But James will also go on. We'll talk about this next week about the goodness of God, that the goodness of God actually roots us and grounds us and reminds us that what God is doing is he's, he's aiming for our, our growth in Christ, our success. Um, he's given us, James will go on later in the chapter to talk about the implanted word mm-hmm. uh, that's going to bear much fruit. Um, so, so God's design for us is success. The difference between a trial and a temptation is merely our response to it. Do we see God as good, who is aiming for our wisdom to help us to grow in dependency upon him? Or are we people who are dragged away by our temptations and desires, and we blame someone else, that we're a victim. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is we are both a victim of sin and we are a perpetrator of sin. And we have to live with both of those realities. If we we end up being just a perpetrator of sin, if we think, oh, I'm, I'm only able to do evil, then, then what we fail to appreciate is we're made in the image of God, a God who loves us, a God who has designed us to have relationship with him and love him. And, and it makes us uh, forget, it may, well, we, we focus then on, oh, I'm such a wretched worm and I'm so terrible, this worm theology. On the other side, if we're only ever a victim, what we're going to end up doing is we're going to say, well, you know, like, I was passive. I was dragged away. I, I really like, the devil made me do it. Yeah. The devil or God made me do it even worse. uh, The devil made me do it. God made me do it. And this is why you can have two, two children who they face the exact same circumstance and one responds one way and one responds the other, Mm -hmm. same parents, same circumstances, just it's internal desire. And, and so a big part of what's going on is, is that, um, we, we should come back just when Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's not saying God tempts us, mm-hmm. but he's saying that, that the, the process by which we ought to find victory over temptation, since 
Paul will say, no temptation has seized you except which is common to man. God's provided a way of escape. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, the, the thing that God is wanting us to do is to be dependent upon him and to turn to him. Yeah. And so we have then tempting or temptation and we have testing and we have the different ways that they happen to us, the different ways that internally we wrestle with those. And we see two very different outcomes coming from those two things. Earlier on in the very first couple of verses of James, we see how the trials that we face actually grow us until James says we're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There are means by which God brings us all the way to the end to the blessings that he has for us. But then we see here in these verses of James, that temptation, when it is sort of, when we are lured away by our own desires, instead there's a very different end there. James says that that desire, when it conceives, gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. And so you have two very, very different end points. Yeah. We've got life on one side and death on the other. In many ways, there couldn't be any more stark or any more serious difference there. And what, what we're essentially saying here is that either, either end can start the same way. Yeah. The, the sort of presenting issue at the start can lead in both directions. And that's, that's pretty interesting and definitely something that I think, as, as you've talked about before, really helps us to go back to realizing our dependence and just how much we really do depend on God throughout our day-to-day lives. Yeah. And, and to, to tap into that, James is saying uh, in verse 12, we've got to stand. So there's a sense in which um, remaining steadfast stood the test. Mm-hmm. So it's as though you're expecting that gale force winds are going to come and try and knock you over. Yeah. Um, but, but that God has braced you and prepared you and enabled you and given to you what you need to stand. But in verse 13, the difference is someone comes along and they, they see themselves as being set up. Yeah. Oh, God wants me to fail. So there is a, a, there's a disposition of the heart that mm-hmm. is a starting point, mm-hmm. or there's a sense in which we might say, uh, I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? And we feel entitled or we have the right to be bitter or angry. Uh, James will then in chapter four, talk about how um, these desires are waging war. And because of that, um, because, because we've not dealt with the inner war, we, we find that things outside spiral out of control. Sin and temptation, they have, they have dramatic effects through the rest of life. And, mm-hmm. and the primary battle that we have to learn to face is the inner battle. It's the battle of, of desires and how to shape our desires so that, well, not even shape our desires, but more so how, how do we think about our desires do we think about our desires as, oh, I just, I wish I could get rid of them. I, I wish I didn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. Or can we say, my, my desires, my desires, maybe there's something good in it, but there's also probably something distorted in it. And, and every desire has some sort of goodness to it and some sort of distortion to mm-hmm. it. 
Uh, our culture just says, hey, you feel something? Embrace it. Yeah. But but that doesn't necessarily add up to reality because you can have you can have desires and they can be disordered. And in fact, almost every desire that we have is distorted uh, distorted in some way. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of disordering to our desire. So that just always ought to give us pause that to follow your heart. Jesus never says that. No. He says, follow me. Um, because there's something about our desires that has gone awry. And I think this goes back to why James starts his book straight away in verse two, setting us up with a proper understanding mm-hmm. of of where where we stand. As you talked about, it's we're going to face the trial or the temptation one way or the other. We have disordered desires. And if we don't see ourselves rightly and see God rightly at the beginning, that's going to lead to all kinds of problems. And so James wants us to know so early in James 1, even in verse 2, that God is working for us, that he has given us what we need. And we'll even talk about that further next week when we think about the the goodness of God. But when, you know, if... As, as you've already used the, the metaphor, if we know a storm's coming and we know we've been set up for success with what we need to weather it, we're going to respond very differently yeah. in the middle of that storm than if we, if we feel like we don't have the resources that we need or that we've been set up for, for failure in some way. And so how we view ourselves, how we view God has such a powerful impact on how we experience a a temptation or a trial and ultimately what the end of that is for us, whether it works for our good or works against us. That's right. And that's why James will go on even in chapter uh, four, when he talks about uh, desires warring in us and we, we ask wrongly, we have disordered desires. We, um, and he, he says there, he, he picks up this idea in James four, four about, uh, being double-minded. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Um, and he he contrasts friendship with God and friendship with the world. And then he, he says in verse six that God gives more grace. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, quoting from, from Proverbs chapter three. And then he says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil mm-hmm. and he will flee from you. Um, so there is a sense in which when temptation comes, yes, we have disordered desires. Yes, the devil comes along and he plays on that desire. He he picks up on that desire. He works it for all it's worth. Mm-hmm. I think another factor here, Luke, that's helpful for us to think about is uh, just in terms of how the devil works in terms of temptation. Uh, the devil the devil is not all knowing. So he's not reading your mind. The way that the devil works is that he's had, he's had millennia to study us as human beings. A lot of experience. That's right. He's got, he's perfected uh, methods of temptation. He's had people throughout the ages. And so he knows, he knows us as human beings and how we're wired. So what he can do is he can come along and he can, he can go, well, I know that this type of personality, this type of temptation, it works very effectively. Mm-hmm. And he applies that. Why that's helpful for us, I think one, is that we can say, well, the devil doesn't know. He's not reading my mind. He's he's looking at external factors, just like you and I look at external factors. Yeah. 
But the other thing is then you can go, okay, well, if the devil has been working to study us and understand us, God has given us a remedy even before, even before temptation came along. Mm-hmm. He gave us his word. He gave us his word in the garden. He, his word precedes temptation. Yes. And so, so that's something that's helpful is that, that the way that he gives more grace to fight temptation is actually, he's given us everything we need. Peter will say this. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So you're not, you're not ill-equipped, but the, the reality is that we, we, we are going to battle our desires our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think we ought to have the expectation that we're not going to reach this sinless state of perfection, but we are going to continue in dependence throughout our lives. And the Christian can expect that God has embraced us and given us what we need to succeed. And that's what we'll spend a little bit of time talking about next week, where we're going to be thinking of the goodness of God. And before we head out for this week, Andrew, do you have any resources you want to recommend for anybody looking to dive into this topic a little bit further? Yeah, I will, I will recommend one resource. Uh, and, um, and that is uh, John Owen's book, Overcoming Sin and Temptation. It's an older book. You can get it in modern English. Um, I think that's that's a really um, it's a really helpful book uh, to consider and think about. Um, I, I've I've got another one that's just coming to mind here. I'm just going to try and quickly look it up. Uh, it's it's by Russell Moore, and it's called Tempted and Tried. Hmm. That's the other one. Um, Temptation and the Triumph of Christ. And I've read that one and, and it's also, it's very modern. It's very helpful and very good. And uh, if we can understand temptation and its anatomy, we can also understand how to fight it. And with that, we are finished with our episode for this week. Thank you all very much for joining us. We look forward to hopefully having you join us again next week for our discussion on the goodness of God. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye, everybody. Bye.